Well, Merry Christmas, Life Point. Come on, you got to do better than that. I got two more ahead of me after this one, okay? Merry Christmas, Life Point. I got an early Christmas gift that I am really excited about. It is this Tommy Bahama Hawaiian Christmas shirt. It is awesome, is it not? Wow. Whew. Well, a Merry Christmas from uh, LifePoint Church family to yours. I meet and talk with literally hundreds and thousands of people here in Collin County who are busy, active, ambitious, have great plans and dreams, who are fatigued and frustrated. But I rarely meet people who have peace. And I mean real peace. A peace with themselves, peace with God, and peace with others. It is a rare quality. And yet it's one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas. About 700 years ago, there was this prophet named Isaiah who prophesied that the Savior of the world would be named the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, he says, a child has been born to us and he'll be given the name Prince of Peace. When the angels appeared to those shepherds, they announced that the Savior of the world had arrived and they said this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And when Jesus started his ministry, he summarized what it was all about. In John 14, when he said, he said this, I am giving you a gift of peace the kind of peace that, I, that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that the world gives. You see, the kind of peace that, that God gives it can't be found in a box wrapped up under a tree. And it can't be found in a bottle or in a book. The kind of peace that Jesus gives, only he can give. This Christmas Eve, I want to do two things as we think about the, the entry of the coming of peace into human history. I want to talk about what kinds of peace Jesus gives us and how you and I can get it. Now, before I jump in, I want to say this. I don't know what your background is. You may be Baptist, you may be Buddhist. You may be Muslim, you may be Methodist. You may be an atheist or an agnostic. You may be a Catholic or you may be a Protestant. I don't know what your background is. And I don't know what kind of year you've had in 2015. It may have been a tough year where you are tired and fatigued, filled with tension and worn out. If that is true of you, you have chosen the right service. We designed this thing about six months ago. Because God doesn't want you to end 2015 and enter into 2016 with those same feelings of fatigue and worry and tension and anxiety. He has come to give you and I peace. Now, as you study the scriptures, there's basically three kinds of peace that Jesus offers to you and I. There are 348 references to peace over seven, that are found out of 790 scriptures. And this, this peace that he offers falls into three categories. Spiritual peace, emotional peace, and relational peace. Or external peace with God, internal peace with ourselves, and external peace with others. The first kind of peace that Jesus offers us is peace with God. This is spiritual peace. It is the most important because it affects everything else. 
You and I know from, uh, from life, do we not, that when a relationship is out of whack, everything is out of whack. When there is tension in a relationship, maybe with your spouse or one of your kids or one of a family member, it robs you of joy and peace. Well, guess what? Nothing does that more than when you and I are out of whack with God. And Jesus came to restore the peace. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says, God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. Now, why do we need this? It's because anytime I think, you know what? I, I'm God. I'm gonna pretend to play God. Guess what? I know better than God. The Bible says that is an act of rebellion and it puts us in conflict with God because it disconnects us from him. Folks, that's why God seems so distant to so many people. But God doesn't want that. Paul in Romans 5 said, since we are made right with God by faith in Christ, we have, put, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, will you circle that phrase, done for us? We can have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Not, uh, we have peace not because of what we do. Folks, we can't be nice enough. We have peace because of what Jesus did. And Paul elaborates on this. A few verses later in verse 10 where he says, even though we were his enemies, God made peace with us because his son died for our sins. Now that we are at peace with God, we will be saved for eternity by his son's life. Now, if you know anything about anthropology, you know that a lot of religions had what were called peace offerings. The Greeks had them, the Romans had them, Native American religions had them. But the Bible says that you don't have to do that anymore because God has already done it through his son. He offered himself <clears throat> through his son. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Do you remember the three wise men? We don't know how many there really were, but we, we suspect that there were three because there were three gifts. Do you know what kind of gifts they brought? They weren't Fisher-Price toys, okay? They were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the third one is a little bit of a mystery because myrrh was an embalming spice. Why did they give that one? Because these wise men had studied the scriptures and they knew that this savior of the world would die for all of mankind's sins. You see, the first kind of peace is peace with God. The second kind of peace is peace within, emotional peace. The Bible refers, this, refers to this kind of peace as the peace of God. When I get peace with God, then I will get the peace of God. In Colossians 3, <clears throat> Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Notice the word rule, or in. It's internal. It's inside. It's emotional. The word peace in, in the Hebrew is shalom, which literally means well-being or happiness or harmony or serenity. You see, from those 300 and... 58 verses on peace that are found in about 800 verses. I would summarize this piece this way. There is a peace for every one of your problems. Like I said, I don't know what kind of year you've had this year. Maybe you're entering into 2016 with a broken heart. For those who have a broken heart, he gives a comforting peace. 
For those whose hearts are confused, he gives a guiding peace. For those whose hearts are shameful, he gives a forgiving peace. For those whose hearts are worried, he gives a confidence peace. There are literally hundreds of different kinds of peace that God offers to you and I through Christ. In fact, I would write that down. God has a peace for every one of your problems. And God says, when you have peace with me, you'll have peace of me. You'll have the peace of God, an internal peace within. The third kind of peace is peace with others. We have peace with God, we have peace within, and we have peace with other people. This is relational peace. And relational peace is all about the fact that when we move away from God, what it does is it messes up our relationships. And so I would say this, if you want to strengthen your relationships in 2016, I I would advise you to get close to God. If you are growing closer to God and that other individual is growing closer to God, it pulls you together. But the more out of whack you are with God, the more out of whack your relationships are going to be. Folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know and understand that the world that we live in is not getting more peaceful, is it? It's not. It's getting more conflicted. How do you have unity? In America, how do you have unity? The phrase is e pluribus unum. Out of the many, one are united, we stand. How is it possible with over 473 different people groups in America alone? How is it possible to be united? Only when we're united as children of God. Paul makes mention of this in Ephesians 2. Christ brought us all together through his death on the cross. The cross gets us to embrace each other and and, and in the hostility between different groups. When we have the peace, when we have the prince of peace, we will have peace with each other. Like I said, all it takes is you and I looking around in this world and we see cities aflame with injustice and racism and crime and all kinds of stuff. But the Bible says this, that at the cross, the ground is level. Notice this, what Paul says in Galatians 3. In Christ's family, there's no division between Jew and Gentile, slave or free, or even male or female. In Christ, we're all equal and the same. We're all in a common relationship with Jesus. Now, these three kinds of peace are built on one another. When you get the peace, when you get peace with God, you will have the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, you will have peace with others. It's kind of like a hot cup of coffee that is filled up to the rim. If you nudge it, what happens? All the hot coffee comes out. Well, the same is true with you and I. If you are filled up with yourself and someone comes and ticks you off, guess what comes out? All the hot coffee But when you are emptied of yourself and all that you're filled up with is peace, you want to know what happens? Nothing. You see, these are the three kinds of peace. 
The question is this, how do you and I enjoy them? How do we enjoy peace with God, the peace of God, and peace with others? Well, the Bible says there are, you need to do three things if you want your stress level to go down and you want your peace quotient to go up. And the first one is this, I must experience a, a moment of clarity. I hope that's what you experience tonight because I've been praying over this service for six months. A moment of clarity is a life-changing moment that transforms you forever because all of a sudden you see things like you've never seen them before. You see yourself, you see others, you see God like you've never seen them before. You see your problems like you've never seen them before. You see your present, your past, your future like you've never seen them before. And God wants you to have a moment of clarity, just like, the first, just like in the first Christmas with the first characters of that Christmas. You see, Joseph had a moment of clarity through a dream. You may sit there and say, can I have a moment of clarity through a dream? You most certainly can. The wise men had a moment of clarity when they saw that star in the sky. And you can have a moment of clarity when you too see God's creation. Mary had a moment of clarity when the word of God was spoken to her and she understood it. And you can have a moment of clarity even tonight as God's word is being shared. Elizabeth had a moment of clarity when a friend named Mary came to visit her, and you can have a moment of clarity when a family friend or a, a family friend or a friend comes and visits you and talks with you. The shepherds had a moment of clarity in the stillness of the night, and you can have a moment of clarity too when you quiet your soul. You see, what was happening in, that, in the characters of that very first Christmas is what Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, where he says, I pray that, that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future that God has called you to share. You see, what you need is a moment of clarity about the future that God has for you, where you go, you know what? I get it. I get it. When you have that moment of clarity, you're gonna stop pretending. You're gonna stop blaming, accusing, and excusing yourself. You're gonna stop lying to yourself. You see, we lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? Jesus talked about this. In Luke eleven thirty five. 35, he says, make sure that the light you think you have is not really darkness. In essence, he's saying, you know what? We lie to ourselves all the time, and we do, don't we? We tell ourselves that things are worse than what they really are. We tell ourselves that things are better than what they really are. Folks, we tell ourselves little lies all the time. It's okay. <laughs> it's never been better. It's no big deal. I'm in control. Here's the problem, though. Until you have a moment of clarity, you'll never understand how, what it feels like to have real peace. 
You may have lived your whole life with fatigue and tension and worry and anxiety, and you think it's normal. You think everybody else lives that way. That's just not true. There is peace with God, and there is a peace of God that others have. You see, in a moment of clarity, you begin to realize that there really is a better future, a better way to live. And yes, you have a good life. You look good, you feel good, you got the goods. You live in Collin County, right? But there's actually a better life, and it comes through a moment of clarity. Secondly, I must express an attitude of humility. You see, God blesses humility. In James 4, it says God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power you need to have peace in your life. You could define life in two ways, grace-filled or pride-filled. In order to have peace, you've got to exchange one for the other. I must exchange my vanity for serenity. I must exchange my anxiety for tranquility. And that only happens when you have an attitude of humility. It's interesting to me. I've experienced 63 Christmases in my lifetime. I I admit, I don't remember the first three or four or even five, okay? It's about six that I remember. It was a terrible Christmas. I wanted a pair of cowboy boots, and I got them, but they didn't fit, and we were overseas, and they didn't have any other size. It was a terrible Christmas, okay? And I griped, and I complained, You see, what I have discovered is this, that God is not impressed with griping or complaining. What moves the heart of God is humility. God, I need your help. God, this is really tough. I can't do this on my own. When I say that, God opens the floodgates of heaven and he pours out his grace and he pours out his mercy. One of the ways that you can do that is just by simply admitting, God, I want you to know something. You're God, and I'm not. God, I don't have what it takes, but you have it all. You really do, God. Isaiah 26, Isaiah said this, Lord, grant peace for all we have and all we are has come from you. You see, when was the last time you you said that to God? before you opened your gifts on Christmas morning in a house that the world envies and wish they had in the cars that you and I drive? When was the last time in humility we said to God, God, I just want to admit something. All that I am and all that I have in the way of my family, in the way of my friends, in the way of my fortunes, it comes from you. You see, the only reason that you are alive is that God made you to love you, and he wants you to love him back. And in humility, he just wants you to come to him and just say, God, I admit all that I am, God, and all that I have, you hold together. For my wife and I, this last fall has been the roughest fall that we have experienced as a married couple, physically. My wife had 12 weeks of chronic chronic bronchitis where she was coughing her lungs out. And the doctors couldn't figure out what's going on. It's only been lately 
that she started to come out of it. And I, with the temperament that I have, a triple A personality type, says, okay, we're gonna tackle this thing, we're gonna go to the doctors, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And about eight weeks into this thing, where the doctors are just pulling out their hair and they don't know what in the world's going on, I came to God, we came to God. And we said, God, we admit that all that we are and all that we have comes from you and we're gonna trust you with this. You see, let me let you in on a secret that you already know, and that is this. We're all broken, aren't we? We're all broken spiritually and emotionally and relationally and physically. We are deeply broken, but we are deeply loved. And what we do in our brokenness, in an attitude of humility, is that we come to God and we just confess our brokenness. The psalmist in Psalms 34 said, the Lord is close to those whose hearts are breaking. He rescues those who are humbly sorry for their sins. When you and I come to God in our brokenness, what happens is that he draws close. And wherever God is at, there's peace. Favorite verse, my wife's favorite verse that I saw a friend of mine, Ken, put on Facebook this morning is Philippians 4 that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. Don't gripe, don't complain, thank him. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far greater than the human mind can understand. God's peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And so you need a moment of clarity. You need an attitude of humility. And then thirdly, you need a decision of dependency. I must expect Jesus to help me because God does what we expect him to do. Nothing more and nothing less. It's called the faith factor. So let me summarize for us what I've been seeking to talk about these last 15 minutes in one statement from Jesus. And if you will do these three things that Jesus talks about your stress level will go down and your peace level will go up. In Matthew 11, Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are tired and worn out from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Yoke up with me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you will find peace and rest for your soul. That phrase, peace and rest for your soul, is much deeper than physical rest. It is soul rest. Your problem isn't that you have overworked muscles. Some of us need to work our muscles out a little bit more, okay? Our problem is that we have an overworked soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions are being bombarded day in and day out, day in and day out with fear and tension and anxiety and stress. And our soul's are worn out. You see, how do you get this peace that passes all understanding? Well, the world would say this, go to Tahiti. Go to Disney World. Go to the movies and see Star Wars. I did, awesome show, okay? Read a book, go out and exercise. But that will not restore your soul. 
You need something much deeper because you are a deeper person than that. For an overloaded soul, you need something more than a philosophy or a pill or a plan. You need a person. And Jesus says this, come to me. You have to come to Jesus and exchange your panic for God's peace, your worry for God's worship, your fear for God's faith, your anxiety for God's tranquility. You've got to come to Jesus moment by moment because Jesus said this, come to me. Secondly, you've got to connect with Jesus. He said, yoke up with me. A yoke is a piece of wood that puts, that binds two oxen together, that lessens the load for each. A yoke is a symbol of a partnership. And so you gotta connect, you gotta partner with Jesus. And then you do, and when you do so, you remember that he really is the bigger partner, okay? You can't be like the mouse that crawled up on the elephant's back and crossed this bridge. And as they did so, the bridge just shook up like this. And when they got to the other side, the mouse just, you know, stepped up and says, boy, we really shook that bridge, didn't we, okay? No. We remember who the bigger partner is. We connect with him. We yoke up with him. And then number three, you let Jesus change you. You see, do you think it's possible that God may know something about life that you don't? Sure. And when I admit that I don't know it all, you want to know what that's called? That's called humility. And Jesus says, learn from me. To learn, you got to be humble. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble. Now, like I said earlier, folks, my attitude isn't like that. When things get tough, I think, hey, the tough's get going, okay? You just grab the bull by the horns, you navigate this thing, you come up with a plan, and doggone it, it's going to happen. But God knows more about life than I do. And he says, come to me and learn about gentleness and humility. Why? Because gentleness and humility are the antidotes for the two greatest sources of stress in your life. Aggression and arrogance. Arrogance and aggression. Aggression says, you know what? I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. I got to have it now. And as a result, what do we do? We overcommit, don't we? It's always easier to fill up a schedule than it is to fulfill a schedule. Have you learned that? It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. And Jesus just says this, be gentle. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be aggressive. The other one is arrogance. And arrogance is when I try to control everything. And the more insecure I am, the pickier I am, and the more controlling I become. And yet people who are filled with peace don't try to control it all. Folks, it's a prideful ego that is responsible for more stress and anxiety than one can even begin to imagine. Because in our pride, we try to be it all and we try to do it all. 
We try to be Superman or Superwoman. And Jesus just says this, be humble, learn, learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble of heart. Isaiah, who the prophet prophesied that the savior of the world would, would be named the Prince of Peace, said this in Isaiah 26, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. So let's cut to the chase. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you really wanna enter into 2016 feeling the same way that you felt in 2000, in this year? Peace can be yours. Isaiah prophesied it. The angels announced it, and Jesus delivered it. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came at Christmas to give us peace. Not as the world gives, a much deeper peace. Because you and I are deeper than what the world thinks. You've been made for so, so very much more. You have been made for a peace that comes with a moment of clarity, an attitude of dependency, and an act of an attitude of humility and an act of dependency. Are you ready to let God change you? Let's pray. Lord, we just want to take a moment and just quiet ourselves. And allow you to speak to our hearts and to our minds. To give us a moment of clarity that we really might see what's most important in life. God, we want a life that's changed. We don't want the days to quickly pass by and not capture the moments that you have for us that would be life-changing, personally, emotionally, relationally. God, we want it. You've made us for it. And today, I don't know where you're at, but maybe today you want to experience the peace that Jesus offers. Will you come to him? And will you connect with him? Will you just say, God, I come to you through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I want to exchange my anxiety for your tranquility, God. I want to exchange my worry for your worship. I want to exchange my panic, God. I want to exchange that for your peace. Today, God, come into my life and change me. Give me soul rest, God. I don't want this new year to be like this past one. And if you prayed that prayer, 
I can tell you this, God heard you. Because God draws close to people who are humble and those who are broken. Will you let me know? If you prayed that prayer for the first time on your connection card, will you just write the letter A saying, I've accepted Jesus. I want soul rest. I want to change. When I get them the first part of the week, I'll mail you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. And so God, we give you this. We thank you for this time, this Christmas Eve, where things can be still, where we can know you, where we can understand those things that are really of utmost importance. God, I thank you for this time. We give this to you in your son's name. Amen.